0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to those who might be joining us online as well, for one reason or the other, you're unable to be here, and so we just want to give you a welcome as well, and Uh, We're praying that in this season we'll remember um, a baby. You guys uh, got some parents here. I got some kids here. I see that. And uh, I think back to those days when we found out we were going to have a baby and just the excitement of that and uh, back when we first had our children, there was a book that you could go through week by week and see like okay week eight this is the development of the child week nine week ten and it's like it's just like a miracle like, as you think about like what god is doing and bringing life every every life is a miracle and um and you know so you you just get more and more excited our our, our family we, we you know heather and i decided you know what let's just kind of be surprised right we didn't there was no gender reveal parties for us, okay? So, you know, we, we just kind of, you know, w- that was part of the excitement for us. It's like, okay, let's, let's just see, and but then you, as it gets closer, what, you start thinking, like, okay, like, what's this kid gonna look like, and and you know, and so then the day comes, and and you know, there's all this excitement, and you know, off to the hospital, and then the baby comes, and and I still remember, I, I, you know. For sure, I'm losing some of my memories, but I, I'm hoping not to ever lose these memories. Those those first moments as you're holding this child, and you start thinking about, okay, Lord, what what will be their future? What what will they do? What will they what will they, you know, will they what profession will they do? Will they be a doctor, or a, a nurse, or a, a teacher, or an electrician? Like what what will they do someday? And and then will they meet someone? to love uh, themselves and, and, and have their own children someday. And you have all these hopes and dreams for your children, and, you know, months go by, years go by, and God slowly reveals to you what will be the story for your child. And as Christians, of course, our greatest hope is that they would know Jesus. The the baby that we're celebrating today, that they would know not just about this story of this, this unique birth, but that they would know Jesus to be their Savior, which is why Jesus had to come. It is right that we would celebrate life, that we would celebrate birthdays, but it is more than right that we would celebrate this birth. Joseph and Mary, not a unique couple in many, many ways, but... God had a plan for them that made them very unique on this earth. They were engaged, Joseph and Mary, and Mary is told that she will have a child. She gets a little bit more insight into what you probably have in regards to what your child's future will be. We read in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, when the angel came to Mary, he said this about the son that would be born. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, that's a pretty exciting prospect about what your son will be, right? And, and so obviously this is going to be neat, unique, and Mary already knew it was going to be unique because she would never known a man. So how was it that she was going to have this child, and, and we find out that this child actually will be God, and the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and this child that she has, as I already said, will be God. Well, Joseph finds out that his wife is with child, and so he assumes what any other guy would assume, that obviously Mary has been unfaithful, and so he has a mind that he will divorce her quietly. But while he's considering that, another angel comes, and he tells him what this son will do. In Matthew one twenty-one, he says that Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He wasn't going to be just a carpenter. It wasn't going to be just a teacher. It wasn't even going to be a healer. He is coming to save His people from their sins. And this is why we celebrate 2,000 years later. And this is what I want us to focus on this afternoon as we consider Jesus who's come to this earth. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into uh, some more scriptures. God, we thank You for this time together this afternoon. God, we thank You that Jesus has come. Lord, as we consider these things, they're really hard for our minds to even comprehend that God would take on flesh, that God would become a man. But that's what we celebrate today. God, we are so thankful for your plan of salvation. As we're going to study this afternoon and be reminded, God, this was the only way of salvation. That you would become a man there would be no other way and so god we're so thankful that you are merciful and because you're merciful lord this was the plan lord if you were just some angry god some wrathful god then this would not been a part of the plan but lord you are merciful you are compassionate and so this afternoon we think about the fact that because jesus came we can be saved Lord, we thank you that you know every heart here today. You know what they believe about you. You know how they're living towards you or against you. Lord, you know everything about them. And God, I would pray that by the time we leave here today, everyone could say, I have received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. May it be for your honor and your glory. Lead this preacher now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter two. Not your typical Christmas passage, but as you, as we'll look at it, you'll see why I want to look at it. Hebrews chapter two, verses fourteen to eighteen. If you if you want to look around, uh, down at the Bible for yourself, just put up your hand. The ushers be happy to give you a copy of God's Word. Maybe you're going to use a. Your phone today with the lighting a little bit lighter, uh, or, you know what I'm saying, okay? A little darker than normal. But, but um, especially if you're like me, right, and your eyes aren't so great. But Hebrews chapter 2, and what we see in verses 14 to 18 is why Jesus had to come as a human being. Why not just come as He is in all His glory and all His might? Why not come that way? Why did He have to come this way? And so we begin by reading verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. that we might be delivered. Jesus brings deliverance with his birth. First, we see deliverance from the penalty of sin. Again, look down with me at verse 14. He says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. As we look back at verse 13, he's talking about the children. He's talking about the children of God. If he's going to save Those children, those children that he has come to save, he must, it says here, take on flesh and blood. He must take on flesh and blood. This is the only way. This was the only way that anyone can be saved back 2,000 years ago and today. We take ourselves back 2,000 years ago. We see a world that's dark spiritually, we see a world that's without hope. We see a world that's, that's desperate. We see a world that may be trying to get to God, but failing over and over and over again. And Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If God does not come to us, there is no way for you and I to get to him. That's the message. This is why Jesus had to come in flesh and blood, and so he comes. Think about what Jesus left and what he came to. He left heaven in all its glory. He left all of his riches, and the Lord has all the riches. He is is God. He owns it all. He left his throne in heaven, and he came and was born as a baby. God in the flesh. You, you, you don't get a bigger contrast. And as he comes, he's born in this insignificant town, Bethlehem, right? They you think like Bicycle, right? I mean, it's not, it's not on your top of your like, let's go to list. This is Bethlehem. And, and while he's born there, he's born to this insignificant couple. There was nothing special about them other than this, that they were from the line of David. And not only that, but when they get to Bethlehem, we're told that there's no room for them in the inn. And God is over all of these things, and this is exactly what he determined would be. And so when Jesus is born... He's born in a stable, and then he's, after being born, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths, and he's laid in a feeding trough. This is where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords spends his first day on earth. It's incredible. But this was the plan. And though he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he spends his entire life as a servant. Being fully God and fully man. Fully man, as we read the scriptures, he got hungry. He got thirsty. He he got tired, just like you and I. He... Had some painful relationships in his life. Nobody understood who he was. Even even his own family was like, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know. He's saying some crazy stuff. So even in his own family. And so Jesus experienced life as a human being. Lee says this, no one who merely seemed to be human or who resembled human beings could meet our needs Jesus was a real person. He can meet all our needs. So fully human, and yet at the same time, as you read the Gospels, fully God. He speaks in what? The storm is stilled. He walks on water. He feeds 5,000 people Beyond that, 5,000 men we read, men, women, and children beyond that, with five loaves and two fish. He heals people who've been blind from birth. Fully God, fully man. And he takes on flesh and blood, we're told. Even in the phrasing, with the blood, we're reminded that his blood would need to be shed in order to be forgiven our sins. And as he comes, his purpose is at the end of his life, at the end why he comes is the end. We read that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil. Jesus comes to die. So while we celebrate Christmas, we also think about Good Friday right at the same time because they go together. Jesus' death, it says here, turns out to be a victory. But nobody thought that on the day he died. Well, sure, his enemies, they thought it was a victory, but for them, finally, finally, this guy who's just been a pain in our neck this whole time, these Pharisees are just like, we can't get... Jesus to shut up about his thing we we got to do something and finally they come up with some false charges and he is sentenced to die he's crucified his disciples are despairing they they flee all that they had hoped for now is Dash. Just a week earlier, everyone had been bowing down, saying, Here he is, Hosanna, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and now he's being hung upon a cross. But in that, being hung upon the cross, we read here that Jesus destroys the devil. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. I don't know about you, but I read that statement and I have some questions. Number one is, who gives the devil the power of death in the first place? And what is this power of death? What we need to do to to, to figure this out is we need to kind of take a big step back and say, why do people die in the first place? Why is it that people die? Well, the Bible tells us why people die. When you go back to Genesis chapter 2, we read why people die. You read Genesis 1, 2. You read that God is the one who created this world, everything in it, places including Mars. He does it all. He creates it all. And it is good. It is really good. And as he talks to Adam, he says, I just have one thing. One thing, Adam, you cannot eat from this one tree. We read in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. I mean, seems like a pretty low bar, right? You can do whatever you want, but one thing you cannot do, just do not eat from this one tree. That's all they had to do. And we get to Genesis 3, and the devil comes along. Satan comes along, the serpent. And he comes to Eve, and he says, you're not going to die. Really? God is lying to you. He's lying to you. You know why he's lying to you? Because he wants to keep good from you. He knows that if you eat of it, you will be like him. And so if you really want what's best for you, eat of this fruit. And guess what? Eve looks at it, and she decides, yes, we'll eat. And Adam as well, who was with her, he eats as well. And sin comes into the world. And because sin came into the world, now death is there. Satan was a liar Just as he continually is a liar. Because there is sin, now there is death. Did you know the stats are staggering? One out of one people die. Everybody dies. I don't know about that. I mean, (laughs) I eat a lot of kale. I exercise. I don't know that I'm gonna you're all gonna die. Everyone will. We don't want to admit that, do we? We don't wanna admit it, but we will. This is why people die, is because of sin. It says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Everyone here is imperfect. You're like, yeah, I don't know. You don't know me, Pastor. I know what the Bible says. No one here is perfect. We've all sinned, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And as a result of that, we all have a death sentence hanging over us. But we're told in this verse, because Jesus came as a baby, because he lived life in the flesh, he was able to defeat Satan by dying. Kids, I need you to help me out. You guys are doing awesome, by the way. I really appreciate it. I had one of the children come up to me after the first service and said, um, did you forget to tell us to go to Redemption, kids? <laughs> You know, I did not forget, so I'm thankful that you guys are here, and I was just wondering if you've been listening, how is it that people die? What is the reason that people die? Does somebody know? Yes. Yes. It's because of sin. Because Adam and Eve ate the tree, fruit from the tree. Amen. Preacher brother. Okay? That's right. That's why we die. Every single one of us is because of sin. So how is it? Help me understand this. If Jesus lived the perfect life and never sinned, how could he die? Well, because he became a substitute, because he took our place, because he took sin upon himself, and because he did that, he defeated sin, or sorry, he defeated Satan it says in Colossians 2, 13 through 15, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Because Christ hung upon the cross, the, the record of debt has been canceled. And Satan is, has the power, it says here, the power of death. Why? Because he was the one who first deceived. But do you know what else he's done for all of, all of mankind's time? He's accused you before God. He's known as the accuser. Not only does he lie to you and tell you to go ahead and sin and you won't die, but then when you do sin, he's like, hey, they sinned. They got to die. And that's what he's been doing for all of mankind's time. He's been standing before God as an accuser. But guess what? When when God cancels your debt, there is no more accusation. There is no more penalty against you because Christ has paid your penalty. Piper says this, Satan's ultimate weapon against us is our own sin, if the death of Jesus is take, takes it away, the chief weapon of the devil, the one mortal weapon that he has, is taken out of his hand. He cannot make a case for our death penalty because the judge has acquitted us by the death of his son. Because Christ took your place, because he's paid for your sin, Satan's power is gone. He can accuse all day long. It doesn't matter. He has no more power over you. We know He has no more power over us by what happened on the third day after Christ died. He rose again. And all who place their trust in Him will have life. Just as He was raised to life, those who place their trust in Him are raised to new life. Well, some might hear it, say here this, this afternoon, like, well, don't people still die? Like, I, I know some Christians and they still died. Well, yes, right now in this time period between Christ's first coming and his second coming, people still die physically. There's still consequences for our sin. We still die physically. But because Christ came, we have been forgiven our sin and we can now live eternally because of what, God, what, what Jesus Christ has done. Read with me, continuing in verse two, or sorry, verse 14. And deliver us all sorry, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifeline slavery. Because Satan has been defeated, you and I no longer need to fear death. As I already said, one-on-one one people die. And it hangs over us. I was talking to my father-in-law yesterday. He's, he's got, a, you name the health problem, he's got it. He's got lots of different things going on in his life. And I just was asking him, do you think about heaven more? Do you think about it, you know, just more than he used to? And he said, oh yeah, for sure. Because he knows his time on this earth is short. He will die. But guess what? He's not afraid. He has no fear. Why? Because Jesus Christ has purchased his life. And so while he leaves this earth, when he dies, he will leave the presence of sickness and sin, and he will move immediately into the presence of the Savior. And so now we have no fear of death. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus today, we have no fear of death. Romans 8 says that not even death can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Many of you here this afternoon can, pr- can proclaim we're free. We're free. We're no longer enslaved to the bondage of fear of death. We are free. Free from the fear of death, free from condemnation, free to live both now and eternally. What a gift God has given us. It says in 1 Corinthians 15:55 to 57, "O oh, death, where is your victory?" Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he died for you and I, there is no more no more uh, uh, enslavement to, to the fear of death because our sins have been removed through Jesus Christ. What a gift we celebrate this Christmas. Freedom is possible. We're told for who in verse 16, for surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Oh, great. I'm not a Jew. I guess this isn't for me. Well, if you've been studying Romans with us, we read in Romans 4 that all those who have placed their hope in Christ, all those who have placed their trust in him, all those who have by faith looked to him, you are the offspring of Abraham. This is what he's talking about here. Angels didn't need a savior. Mankind did. And so Jesus took on flesh so that anyone here today who would place their hope and trust in him, they might become a child of God. They might be a son of Abraham. That they might be reconciled to him both now and forevermore. That's a pretty exciting thing to celebrate. Amen? This is why we gather. This is why... You know, you guys, you know, you didn't make a big deal, you know, about, you know, Hope's birth, you know, you didn't like, every year, you don't all gather together, and, you know, my daughter's Hope, you know, like, you know, some of you sent some nice cards, but that we don't, like, this, this birth is unique, right? This is why billions right now are, are gathering together, probably, you know, about a billion Christians, maybe, we don't know, stats, you know. Only God knows a person's heart. But why is it that everyone around the world knows about this day, Christmas? Why is it they they know that there's something to do with this guy, Jesus? It's because of why he came. He came as a deliverer. He came as a savior. But not everyone is saved. Who is saved? The gift of salvation is given to only those who ask for it. Only those who recognize their need for it. Those who admit that they are sinners and so rightfully deserve the death penalty, but instead seek God's grace and ask for forgiveness of their sins by placing their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, this can be yours. Today, The gift of being reconciled to God can be yours. Being forgiven of your sins can be yours. If you would just ask, if you would just turn to this God. I'm praying that everyone here can say, you did it. did it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're celebrating. But I'm wondering if some of you are here, like I don't even know how I wound up in this church this afternoon. I've I've never really thought about Christmas and what it really means. I haven't, you know, if I'm being honest, I, I don't even know if I really believe that there is a God. I want you to hear this afternoon that there is a God. He loves you, and He is merciful towards you, and you could be saved from your sin today. You could be saved from the penalty of sin, and not only that, but you can be saved from the payment of sin. Somebody has to pay for sin. Who will it be? Will it be you or will you allow Jesus to pay for your sin? It says in verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He's reminding them again, he had to become a human. He had to be born as a baby. Therefore he had to be, it says here, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, every respect, every respect, Christ was a human in every way. Sometimes there's this notion that like baby Jesus never cried. Uh, he did. That's how babies communicate. I'm hungry. I need to be changed, right? And, 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 and then he grew up just like a lot of you guys are growing up. That I look around and I see all you kids. Then he grew up and he grew in his knowledge 12 years old, he's hanging out at the temple, asking some really great questions, and everybody's like, who's this kid? Right? Becomes an adult, even went through that puberty thing. He didn't get to skip that, right? He was in in every way a human, just like you are a human. He had to be, not only to defeat Satan, not only to to free you from enslavement of fear of death, but also, it says here, so that he might become a merciful and Faithful high priest in the service of God. We read in the Old Testament, there was this man called the high priest. He would stand between man and God, he would represent mankind to God. And this is what Jesus has done. He had to become human in order to be able to do this, so he would be able to relate to his people so that he could represent his people well. And we read here that he is merciful. I love how Guthrie puts it, in talking about mercy in the scriptures, the idea of showing mercy is frequent and may be said to be a predominant characteristic of God's attitude towards man. If you think of God primarily as this wrathful, angry God in the sky, just waiting to smite you down, that's not the picture of the Bible. Over and over and over again, we see that He is a merciful God. And if you would repent, you will not receive the judgment that you are due. He is merciful, and our Lord, as he walked this earth, he was merciful to all, all those around him. When he looked at the lost, when he looked at the, 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 those who were, were in darkness, he had compassion upon them, and he showed love to them, and he pointed them to a way of salvation. He, he healed their wounds. He healed their sicknesses, and he, and he uh, was, was gracious to them, and God still is that way towards his people, He is merciful. doesn't matter how much you've sinned against him here today. I want you to hear that if you would look to him, you would find mercy. And not only is he merciful, but he's faithful. He is, and he was. Over and over again, as we read the scriptures, he said, I'm here to do the will of the Father. And he lived in perfect obedience to him in every sense of the word. Right up until the end. If you want to look at the, the the highlight of his faithfulness, is that he was willing to go to the cross for you and I. That he was willing to lay down his life for you and I. He is faithful. And he is faithful even today to do all that he says that he will do. He is our high priest. As Jesus laid down his life, he became the Lamb of God. The high priest in the Old Testament, he was responsible for sacrificing animals as an appeasement to God for our sins. But guess what? He had to do it again and again and again and again. But when the Lamb of God came, when Jesus Christ came and he laid down his life, he did it once and for all. For all who would place their trust in him, now there is no longer any sacrifice needed because Christ has paid it all for you. It says here that he is the propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation. It's a big word. Kids, anyone know what propitiation is? Any adults know what propitiation is? Let me read the definition. It is to appease an offended party's wrath for some wrongdoing. In order to rede- regain goodwill, normally accomplished by making sacrifice to an offended deity. See, what we understand as we read the scriptures is that it wasn't bad enough that Jesus was hanging upon a cross in extreme agony physically, but so much more so was going on. As he hung upon the cross, my sin and your sin was placed upon him, as we've already said. So then he had the sentence of death, but that wasn't it. As he hung there, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. It had to be. Somebody has to pay for your sin. And Jesus willingly laid down his life and became the propitiation so that you could be reconciled to God. Incredible. So Satan can come, and he can try and accuse, but he has nothing on you now. The debt has been paid in full. A debt that you and I could never pay. I don't know, maybe you've gone crazy this Christmas. You're like, oh, wow, we've racked up the credit cards a little bit, (laughs) you know. It's, it's you know, kind of a depressing time right now in our world. So we just like, we're like, we're going to bring happiness by buying all kinds of gifts. Okay, and so you've racked up the debt, and you're like, okay, here's our plan for paying off that debt. The debt that you and I owe to God, we could never pay. Way beyond anything we could rack up on a credit card. But Jesus came and paid the debt in full. This is why we celebrate Jesus coming to this earth. He brought deliverance from the penalty sin, from the payment of sin. And then lastly, he brought deliverance for the, from the power of sin. From the power of sin. Look what it says in verse 18. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because Jesus was fully man, he experienced all that we do. He experienced all the temptations that we you and I have faced in this world. We see in Matthew 4 a a great highlight of this. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He's there 40 days and 40 nights. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. There's this miraculous thing going on. He's tired. It's definitely not minus 20 outside. It is hot. And it is a terrible place to be. Nobody would want to just go hang out in this place. This is where Jesus is. And that's when Satan comes to tempt him. Would you be vulnerable? What if you have, you know, supper's half an hour late? Some of you are like tempted to sin at that point. So, so Jesus was at the height where he and his flesh would be tempted. And guess what? He still said no to temptation every time. Three times Satan came to Christ to try to get him to sin. And he said no. And he did for his entire life. And so he understands what you go through when you face temptation. He knows what you go through when you suffer. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, he hasn't just dealt with the, the end of our life. He's helping you be free from your sin even today. Believer, you need to remember this. Maybe there's some things in your life like, I don't know if I'm ever going to overcome that. Christ has overcome it for you. And so whenever you're in that temptation, drop to your knees and look to him and find mercy and grace in your time of need. It's incredible. Did you see that? That we might go before the throne of grace with confidence, with confidence. Hebrews 7.25 says this, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Not only did he come and and live in in humble means and lay down his life for you, but he's still working on your behalf. He's interceding on your behalf. And if you would just come before him, he'll help you defeat Satan. He'll help you defeat sin in your life, even today. Lisa says this, Jesus has great ability to help us. His ability is not based on his experience with sin. His ability is based on his experience of the temptation to sin. Only someone who is sinless can know the experience fully. He has defeated the power of sin in your life. There's a great illustration. Kids, help me out here. Any of you guys like to swim? Okay. Do you ever go with mom and dad? Some of you guys, okay. You ever played the game where you go under the water and then whoever goes up first loses. Do you know that game? Right? You're like, okay, here we go. Okay, one, two, three. We'll take a deep breath and you go under the water. And then guess what? Whoever comes up first loses, right? And this commentator Lee, he was talking about this, uh, this doing this with his son. And he said when his, his child was young, guess what? He would lose every time. He would lose every time because as soon as the pain came, he's like, Oh, I really want to take a breath. Boom, he'd come up. He couldn't endure the pain. He couldn't, couldn't endure the uncomfortableness. And as, a, as an adult, he'd been through some things and he's you know kind of experienced some of that. And so he could last longer. Well, think about what Christ has done. I love how he puts it here. Jesus remained in the pool of temptation longer than any of us, he knew the pain more fully. He resisted to the end. He never sinned. His experience allows him to encourage us and lead us to victory as we face temptation. And so we look to him with hope this Christmas. This is why we gather and celebrate baby Jesus. Because in his coming, he is the deliverer. He's delivered you from the penalty, the payment, and the power of sin. Do you know that gift today? Is it yours? Not just knowing about Jesus, not just knowing the Christmas story, but experiencing his freedom every day in your life. Being able to resist the devil knowing that as you submit to God, he has to flee from you. No longer fearing death. No longer worrying about temptation. Knowing as you submit to him that you can overcome whatever temptation comes your way. Jesus is our Savior. He's our deliverer. This is why we celebrate this Christmas. I'm praying that everyone can say amen to that today. And again, as I said, if you've never asked for this gift of salvation, if you've never went to the Lord and asked, today you can. You simply say this I'm a sinner. And you don't just say it because I'm telling you to say it. You get it. You feel the conviction in your life. You know that you are a sinner. And so you say, God, I've sinned against you. And I understand from your word that I deserve death. But I believe that Jesus did come, that he did live the perfect life, that he laid down his life for me that he took my sin upon himself and the wrath of God was poured out on him. And as a result of that, if I place my hope and trust in him, I could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Lord, I trust you today. I could pray that everyone could say that today. Let me pray for us. Lord, we praise you this afternoon. We praise you that Jesus came, that God came to earth in the form of a baby that that will never cease to, to leave us in awe. And yet that is exactly what happened. God, thank you that you are merciful. Lord, thank you that you made a way that we could be made right to you, made right with you, God. And God, I pray that everyone here could say, I am right with God. I worship him today. I worship Jesus. I am so thankful for all that he has done. I pray that everyone can say that today. But God, if there's someone here who is not yet saying that, God, today would you open their eyes to see that the gift of salvation can be theirs? Or if they would humble themselves, repent, and believe on Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the gift of life this Christmas. in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com